Welcome to the Soulful CXO, where we discuss leadership principles, core values, health, wellness, and resiliency. I'm Dr. Rebecca Wynn, the founder and the host of the show. Do you have a topic or guest you would like to be featured on the show? Would you like to be a sponsor? Please reach out to me on LinkedIn or email me at Rebecca at SoulfulCXO.com. Please go to our partner, Cybersecurity Tribe, for weekly show recaps and other resources. Listen and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Now sit back and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Soulful CXO. I'm your host, Dr. Rebecca Wynn. We are pleased to have with us Carolyn Wong. Carolyn is Chief Strategy Officer at Cobalt, where she leads security, community, and people teams. She has an extensive proven background in communications and cybersecurity. Her practical information security knowledge stems from her broad experience at Sigital as a consultant, somatic product manager, day-to-day leadership roles at eBay, and Zenga. She hosts the Human of InfoSec podcast, teaches cybersecurity courses on LinkedIn Learning, and has authored two books, including the popular textbook, Security Metrics, A Beginner's Guide. Throughout her career, she has been working to boost the number of women in the field and is an advocate for workplace equality. She is an award-winning, highly sought-after speaker in industry events such as RSA and for publications including Washington Post and CBS News. She regularly publishes editorial articles on topics including dev security ops, alignment, InfoSec best practices, diversity in cybersecurity, and women in technology. Caroline, it's so great to see you again. Welcome to the show. Dr. Rebecca, what a pleasure it is to get to spend some time with you today. Thank you for the invitation. Your first degree is in engineering, and I don't always hear that the people actually are able to get a, a chance at engineering. Then I, I do know that you have additional coursework that business and finance and things along those lines. But can you tell us a little bit of that journey on how you start out with engineering, went into programming and gotten to be a product manager, and then obviously to, to where you are today? I would love to. I do have a degree in electrical engineering and computer sciences from UC Berkeley. It sounds really impressive. It was a super challenging program. And I would love to tell you all about how I found myself there. As a 16-year-old, 17-year-old kid, I'm talking to my Chinese immigrant father, and he says to me, Caroline, what do you want to study in college? And I, I, I always chuckle to myself when I tell this story because throughout my whole life, my dad would ask me for my opinion on things, and it never actually mattered. <laughs> and it was just, it was his way of being the very best dad that he could and providing for me and for my sister in the in the very best way that he could. And so he said to me, Caroline, what do you want to study in college? And I said, well, I'd love dance. So I'd love to study dance. And I think psychology is really interesting. And he said, okay, we're going to study engineering and you're going to attend the best school you get accepted to. And it, And in my household and when I was growing up, that's just how it was. And so I go and I'm in these classes trying to figure out how to use an oscilloscope. And I'm surrounded by classmates who have owned oscilloscopes since they were 12. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is very overwhelming. And there was one particular day in the lab, a really good friend of mine and I are looking for a third person to join our group for a partner project. And the way it ends up happening is my friend, we'll call him C, he ends up gathering and fetching our materials. 
Our other partner will call him S. He ends up basically doing the lab work, doing the experiment. Um, and I end up writing our report. And it was so interesting because at the time, I was not taught in engineering school how to put together a team or how to work effectively with a team. And that's something that actually just happened for the three of us naturally. We found ourselves drawn to each other. We had really complementary skill sets. And we were able to be successful in a way together that we wouldn't have been able to do individually. So fast forward to my junior year of EECS at Berkeley, and I am looking for an internship. And that summer, I do not want to live with my parents in San Francisco. I want to live with my boyfriend at the time's parents, and they live in Silicon Valley. And so I'm applying to summer internships and I apply to jobs only in Silicon Valley and none in San Francisco. And I end up getting this role at eBay as an IT project manager. And when I complete my internship and then I graduate from college, I go to my manager and I say, I'd love to work here full time. I enjoy this so much. And he says to me, Caroline, I'm so sorry, but we have a hiring freeze in the IT department right now. However, there are some entry-level positions available on the information security team. And I literally at the time had never heard the words information security before. And so it's 2005. I go on Google. I go on Wikipedia. I literally look up the words information security. I end up getting the role. The role is an entry-level position intended for a new college grad. And the rest ends up being history. And yeah, so I I spend five great years at eBay where I learned so much from my manager and mentor, Dave Cullinane. When I published the Security Metrics, a Beginner's Guide book a couple years later, that book is de dedicated to Dave and all that he did to teach me and to show me the way and to guide me. I then spent a little bit of time at Zynga. Folks may remember the Farmville game. So that was Zynga. And I wrote the information security policies to take that company uh, through its IPO. I did a little bit of product management at Symantec. Loved that role. Loved that team. Really interesting organizational change happening at that organization in that period of time. Samantha had something like four CEOs in the period of four years, and there was just a lot of change. I end up going and working for an application security consulting firm, Sigital, which later gets bought by Synopsys. And something that I'm newly choosing to share about this year, because I feel like it's really relevant, is... I was fired from Sigital. And so I found myself in a position where, as a primary breadwinner of a household with a mortgage in San Francisco to pay and a one year old baby girl, I found myself out of work. And that was really challenging. And the universe works in mysterious ways. And that is actually what led me to find Cobalt which I joined now seven years ago when it was just 10 people, a pre-Series A company. And now we are a 
Series B company with more than 200 people around the world. And it's just fascinating how life works sometimes. Right now, a lot of people are in flux. There's a lot of people who are getting laid off or they're finding that maybe a company they work for has had a lot of changes, whether it's maybe the culture that you thought you're going into, you're not going into, or maybe there's a lot of leadership changes. There's a lot of personal feelings that go through all that kind of stuff. How did you navigate that? Did Did you just Google it? Did you go ahead and work with people? Did you have great mentors around you or sponsors? How did you navigate that to to get to your next level? Because it's really been a struggle for a lot of people right now, especially in our industry. I asked for a lot of help and I stayed really dedicated on just trying to put one foot in front of the other. The way that I describe my feelings during that period of time is like, emotional survival. I was actually just trying to emotionally survive each and every single day. I was just trying to be kind to myself. Oh, a job search is naturally a process that's so filled with rejection and always takes you longer than you think it's going to. And I found myself saying, look, I want to try and acknowledge what's in my control and what's out of my control. What's in my control is the words I put on my resume. What's in my control is the people that I reach out to, that I ask for help, that I ask for advice, that I ask for a perspective. What's in my control is how I show up to any interview and the energy that I bring to that interview and the preparation that I do for that interview. But there's also so many things outside of my control. I don't control what roles are open at what organizations. I don't control anything about who the hiring manager is, what their criteria is, what any of their different ways of thinking about me or any of the other candidates are. I don't control the other candidates and how qualified they are. So I think that really was something that I tried to focus on, which is to say, understanding what's in my control and what's outside my control and trying really hard to focus energetically on the things that are in my control and try and let go of the things that are outside of my control. When you talk about what's inside your control and we look about skill sets, one of the things I use the Venn diagram a bit to do, not only about philosophically and spiritually, what I want to do, but I looking at what kind of businesses resonate with me and doesn't resonate with me and what type of people inside those businesses. Cause sometimes the business is right, but the people inside, do you do something along those lines? Do you have some, you know, nuggets along those lines that you can share on how you work through that? Absolutely. I'll tell you how I think about these things personally. Thing number one, I really want to make a big positive impact. So as I was evaluating different roles, I thought to myself, what's a job where I can positively impact a lot of people? One of the roles that I was talking to was for a really major, very well-established, very well-respected security company And they wanted me to potentially come in and train their developers on secure coding. And I thought to myself, that's a cool job, but I actually, I kind of want to have a bigger impact than that. 
certainly something really important to me. Is this a business that solves a really important problem? Do I think that this business can be wildly successful? And this is also how I evaluate what I'll describe as extracurricular activities. So advisory board roles, even volunteer work, even where I decide to put my time in terms of mentoring or advisory work, I'll say to myself, like, do I believe in this organization's mission and purpose? Does that align with me? Um, And do I think they have a really strong way to solve the problem? Is this a real business problem that's getting solved? And are they solving it? Do I think this business is going to be wildly successful? Thing number two is, who are the people? And I, as I'm evaluating these opportunities, I try really hard to understand why have these people chosen to do what they do? And what do they value? Because I really want there to be alignment. One of the things that I work really hard to avoid and prevent is working closely with individuals who have values that are very different from mine in ways that are unacceptable to me. Those are my two things that I look for. Where can where can there be a big impact and a lot of success, which I think is a result of solving a really important problem? And then who are these people? What do they value? And do their values align with mine? One of the things I I find always a challenge is finding that the outward appearance of the company and the people is that really the inner. And one of the things I talk to people about is you really have to go into not thinking about a job per se. Obviously, people want money to do stuff, but you really need to be going in interviewing them. And I really strongly believe in interviewing the company just as much. And when you have those, every time I've taken a position that my gut was like on run very fast, it has been a mess for me each and every time. What do you mentor people around those lines? Because it's easy to go ahead and say, I need this job. I need this thing. And then find out you're just in a horrendous position for you that just really takes away from your complete who you are as a human and takes a long time to recover from that. Yeah. So first, I want to acknowledge that we, as earthly humans, have physical needs that need to be provided for. And any given one of us at any given time may be in a position where, for some time, we need to do work that is not the absolute perfect work for us because we need to take care of ourselves. Maybe we need to take care of our families. And that, I think, doing what needs to be done to provide for oneself and for one's family, I think is is really important. And we're in an economic atmosphere where there's not as many choices right now as there are at other times, points in time. That being said, I think to the extent that we have choices, it is good to stay away from or get out of work situations that destroy your soul and make you feel real bad. I have a joke metric that I suggest to people. 
when they say, Caroline, how might I go about evaluating a company culture? And here's the joke metric. And it's a joke metric because, first of all, people don't actually write this down anywhere. Second of all, it might be inappropriate for them to share that with you. (laughs) But here's what it is. I say to myself, or I say to folks that I'm talking about this kind of thing too, look at the executive team and look at leadership and count the number of divorces in the past 24 months. Then I say, look at the company as a whole and count the number of marriages and babies in the past 24 months. And there are like a million reasons that are wrong with that. And I want to address that and just address a couple of those assumptions. Divorce is not bad. Marriage and babies are not good. They're just indicators. I personally am a divorced person. Getting divorced was the very best thing that like happened to me at that point in my life. But I do think it's simply an indicator. I think that more people who are in that particular phase of life and for whom it's an appropriate thing to do get married and have babies when there's a company culture that is supportive of healthy relationships outside of the workplace and a reasonable work-life balance situation. I think that really toxic environments, you're going to see divorces happening in leadership. It's a joke, but a more realistic thing to do um, is just like you're interviewing the company, if you're going to go and work for someone, maybe ask them for references. Ask them if you can talk to someone who works for them or has worked for them. And there's two things that'll tell you. Thing number one, Maybe they'll immediately give you five names and encourage you to do that. That's probably a good sign, even before you pick up the phone and talk to those people. If someone's a little hesitant and weird about it, that in of itself is a sign. But I think that just like when we are in a position where we're a candidate talking to a company about an opportunity, And there may be a stage where they ask us for references of people that we've worked for or that have worked for us or people that we've worked with. We get to do the same thing. And I think that's an opportunity to ask for references. Who? Let me talk to someone who's worked on your team. Let me talk to someone who is a peer of yours. Let me talk to someone that you've worked for. And there's those two data points. Thing one, how do they respond to that question? And thing two, of course, when you make those phone calls, how do what do people share? Yeah, I think one of the things too for us being CISOs, right? You meant CISO, CIO, right? Chief Strategy Officer, is I pay attention to who are they having me do my interviews with? Do they have me having an interview with five people who are going to report to me? I'm not against that, but how come the stakeholders? Why aren't my stakeholders? How come I'm not really meeting with my peers? You're trying to make me more of a subject matter expert, not a person who's leading a division or leading a team. I think that's the other thing is paying attention quickly on who you're interviewing with. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And when I interview for CISO roles, which I do from time to time for fun, a really important question is, how big is the team and how big is my budget? Those are super important questions to ask, especially when you're talking about a security leadership role, because there's a difference between talking the talk and walking the walk. 
it's easy for the words we care about security to come out of someone's mouth. It's different for them to have allocated and approved headcount and budget for a security function. Those are, if I'm talking to anyone about a CISO opportunity, those are some of the first questions. The other really important question is what's turnover been like on the team in the past, say, 24 months? Um, And that can be indicated in a lot of different ways. It's not necessarily if everyone left, then things are bad. It just indicates that there's a change. And the question's, where is the organization headed? And does that align with your skill set, your values, how you want to make an impact? Yeah, recently I had been talking to a startup and it was interesting. The CEO actually had said, let's be clear, the reason we... I don't know, like 55, 60% churn rate in like the first three months is because we keep hiring the wrong people. And I was like, oh, let me go back and we, let me look at those indeed. Let me look at those glass doors. And the ones that were like the one and two stars were spot on what was happening culturally internally. A lot of the five star, four stars were account management, HR, marketing. So I tell people you have to be careful about glass door. And that gets back to you talking about reaching out to the people. I use LinkedIn. And I like to go ahead and look at LinkedIn to see not only about who might be working there for a long period of time, because I can always ask internally, but I like to see that person left within a year and they went to this other company and go, could you have a conversation with me? I'm just curious about what was your experience? How did you feel the culture? Don't want them to breach an NDA or anything like that, but they can tell me what was their experience, what worked for them, what not worked for them, and gives you a chance of you as a human if that type of internal culture really is going to resonate with you, or if they said, you know what, I got hired for this position and I never was able to do the position. And that's, you know, for the people who left around me, we seem to have the same frustration. doesn't mean it's today's frustration, but at least tells you what was happening in the last nine months or whatever. So I agree with you. Do you use something else besides LinkedIn? Do you use like when you go to conferences, because you speak at RSA and stuff like that? What do you find is a great networking to find those inner nuggets? LinkedIn is my number one. I'm I've never really been a Twitter person. I certainly use Slack a lot, but I find that LinkedIn is so cool because I will find myself connecting with folks that like maybe I've met and maybe I've never met. And I think that it's surprising to me if you just reach out to someone and you ask a question. Like some people are going to ignore you and some people are going to say, no, thank you. But some people are going to be like, yeah, I've never met you, but I'd be delighted to have a conversation. So you just never know. I think it's always great to, if you have a question that you're curious about someone's perspective on, just ask. I agree with you 100% on that. I tell people, they're like, who do you mentor? And I said, I think you seek out mentors. I have Ann Kabuki, and you and I have talked multiple times too, but Jim Roth, Teresa Payton, and I said, how did you get them to be mentors? I said, I asked. They don't meet me every week, but I'm like, Jim, I really need, I'm struggling with X. Can I find 15 minutes or 20 minutes on your calendar so we can walk through it? Most of us, you just need to ask, but we, you have to come with a heart. We're there to support you, but you know where you need to get supported. And I know you mentor a lot in the industry as well, too. So we always really appreciate that. I want to make sure that we have a chance to talk about, we've talked a couple of times about grit and determination. 
What does that look like for you in balancing against resiliency? Because we also talked about resiliency and about trying to have grit, determination in your career. But at the same time, if you don't have that balance in your life, you're going to have a really short career or unfortunately get ill. So how do you do that? So one of the things that I've been thinking about and learning about in the past couple of years is change. I think that as humans, it's really natural for us to like things to stay the same, particularly if we have this impression that things are, quote unquote, good. We want them to stay that way. I've come to really accept this idea that change is constant and change is inevitable. And so I've been trying to shift my own mindset from one where if I perceive a particular stage to be quote unquote good and trying to like hold on to that when change comes i try to roll with the punches i try to recognize that like this moment right now and now this moment right now like they're different it's new none of us have any idea what's going to happen tomorrow and we always have an opportunity to look at things in a different way So that when change happens or when I can see change about to come, I think it's really natural, again, for us to have a human instinct, which is fear. Oh, no, something bad's going to happen. Oh, no, I don't know what I'm going to do. That's natural. And I think that's our brain trying to protect us. And I think that change also presents opportunity. There have been changes in my life that happened that I did not ask for, that I would not have asked for. There's a whole thing about, I used to live in California, and now I live in the Pacific Northwest. And our decision to move was not something exactly that we chose. We had to do it. And I'm so happy with where we ended up. Even when I got let go from Sigital, That was not something I would have chose. That was not something that I wanted. And what happened for me next turned out to be beyond what I had imagined in a really great way. And so I think that we have an opportunity to consider that change is uncomfortable and we don't know what's on the other side. And being on the other side and what happens being really great, really amazing, really positive, really fulfilling, that's just as likely as really terrible, really scary, really et cetera, et cetera. Like, we just don't know. And in any given day, we can simply look for the opportunity and focus on the things that truly are within our control and to try and let go of some of those which are not, which there are always going to be lots and lots of things outside of our control. Carolyn, our time has flown by. What is the best way for people to learn more about your company and be able to reach out to you for speaking and other opportunities? www.cobalt.io. Recently, we released our 2023 State of Pen Testing Report. It's a phenomenal data-driven research report that I'm very proud of, including data and analysis from more than 3,000 pen tests performed in 2022. 
uh, as well as survey results from a lot of folks, primarily in the North America and Europe region, more than a thousand security professionals who on purpose, we actually chose people who weren't Cobalt customers for those that survey data. And we talk a lot about budget cuts and layoffs and morale. So it's really data-driven. There's also a big human component. Highly recommend that content. And then find me on LinkedIn. I do teach LinkedIn learning courses. And on my profile, you can find links to view those at no cost. So I'd invite folks to, to check those out and let me know what you think. Carolyn, you are a soulful CXO. This is so great. Thank you so much for having me. 